Welcome to the newest edition of TribCast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune. Uh, we're being joined today by comedian Shane Moss. Also here, as always, Elizabeth Byer from the Lacrosse Tribune and Randy Erickson. Shane will be appearing on January 3rd at the Cavalier here in Lacrosse. And you have your own podcast, which you can find all over the place, wherever you get podcasts, called Here We Are. I would imagine, are there any journalists that you know who have written as many Shane Moss stories as our own Randy Erickson? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Randy takes the cake. Yeah, that's uh, the the hometown boy done well. Is that is that the cliche yeah, yeah. thing? Well, it's, it's amazing your your evolution uh, over the years. For those evolution oh, into talking about evolution. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, of course, you grew up in Onalaska. Yep. And an uh, Onalaska high graduate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, no, ninety-eight. I had to think about. I almost said, "Oh, wait. Yeah. I had to think about this what year because I just had twenty my twenty-year high school reunion this year, and I went to it. I came back yeah. um, for it. And I saw it was, you at it. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was interesting. Are you the most famous uh person in your class you know i uh yes <laughs> but i'm not sure that's like a high bar um i <laughs> um i i mean there's there's people doing better for themselves than i am there's like successful doctors and stuff like that but in terms of like been on tv or whatever you're the only uh, person who they can find on netflix yeah i think that uh isn't there a? Didn't you do a story? Isn't there a Brett Erickson or something? I think Brett Erickson, a classmate of mine. I think he's doing stand up. Oh. Um, but Emerson. I, I, Brett Emerson. Did yeah, I say yeah, Erickson because yeah. you're Randy Erickson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Brett. Brett Emerson. You. Have, how do you know that? And I don't. You have a better memory than me. And he was my classmate. I'd, Brett yeah. Emerson. I think does stand up i'm not sure if he still does were you like pals were you like making jokes together i didn't in the even whole? know he was oh. a stand-up until oh. like three months ago i saw hmm. like some google search of something i i saw that he's doing it as well yeah. but that it's not the way to become famous is by becoming a stand-up comedian definitely <laughs> if if fame is the thing that you're after maybe acting is the really the the clearest yeah. shot but yeah, you grew up wanting to just be a, a comedian, and, yeah. and that was your big dream. And yeah. what was it? What inspired that? I had a kid when I was a friend that was, uh, I think we were eight or nine, like the age when everyone's like, "What do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor or a fireman?" And <laughs> neither of those two options sounded uh, that interesting to me. And I had a friend that one day said that I should be a stand-up comedian. I made him laugh while we were playing a video game or something like that. <laughs> and uh, he told me that that's someone that just stands up in front of people and tells jokes and makes them laugh. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great job. <laughs> and it just got my dumb head at that time. I think that as an adult, some adults, it's always strange to me when someone like in their 30s or 40s or whatever is like, you know what, I'm going to become a stand-up comedian because it's like such an unrealistic thing to do. And I was just, you know, when you're a kid, you you have like 
you believe you can do things foolishly. And, uh, and so I just got it in my head that I, that I could become a stand Because there is, like, no one in their right mind should become a stand-up comedian. But, but it wasn't a straight... It's something that needs to be planted in a seed when you're young and foolish enough, I mm -hmm. think. But you didn't have a straight line from leaving on Alaska to that. I mean, you talk about in your act that you uh, helped assemble furniture, you uh, oh, helped yeah. bake, bake croutons just blocks from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a, a lot of, well, what it was, was I was like, as soon as I get a high, out of high school, I'm going to move to the big city, and, uh, and, which I didn't know what big city, I was thinking New York City at the time, and, uh, and then I'm going to go and pursue my dream, and then after high school, I was like, I better get a job and save up some money for a little while. And then saving money never panned out, um, and I was drinking too much and was frequenting the, the bar. I don't know, uh, you guys might know, the Cross has a fair number of, of bars. Oh, yeah. um, e e a few may, from within walking uh, distance <laughs> of here. <laughs> you, you, you probably noticed. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to try them all, and, <laughs> and that took a while. And so five years out of high school, I was finally, you know, I was still broke and hadn't saved any money, but just was uh, sick of working in a factory and finally left and went to pursue my dream. I just didn't, as I, the closer I got into adulthood, the more unrealistic I realized stand-up was to do. I don't even know why I still pursued it, but I did, and I'm here, and yeah. it's, it's still, it. It, having having uh, had a compared to a lot of folks a pretty successful career, it's still a pretty unrealistic <laughs> thing. Like, boy, uh, the next forty years, I have to I have to sustain <laughs> this as an occupation. It's really a lot to get yourself into, but I I love it, and so that's. They, yeah. Yeah. We would not have you here if you were still making croutons. Uh, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't be in this weird interrogation room. Uh. <laughs> so you, 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 your dream was to have a Comedy Central uh, Presents yeah. show, and, and you achieved that in no time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then then you have to started your search for. Uh, for purpose, deeper in life. meaning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a continuing effort to figure out what all of this existence is all about. Um, but that's that was, I think, after I kind of caught the breaks that I was hoping to catch. I I think a lot of comedians go through this where you learn to write jokes, you learn how to like be funny in front of people, and then after you've accomplished that, you go like. I want to say something. Like, what am I saying? Am I saying anything? And then you want it to have more depth or substance to it. And so that's why, where I kind of uh, started digging in and pursuing my natural curiosities in science and the kind of the meaning of life, I guess, a little bit more seriously and trying to put that into my act rather than just being something that I like to get drunk and argue with people about yeah. after shows. I was like, this should just be in my show since I like talking about this stuff so much. And maybe you could tell people who show up at the Cavalier on January 3rd, yeah. this isn't your typical, you up, you're going to be up there for 45 minutes doing comedy. Correct. Yeah, this is called Stand Up Science, and this is uh, very much, very different than a stand-up show. I want to stress that so people <laughs> don't show up 
hoping for or expecting it to be 100% comedy. It's half comedy and half science, so I have two researchers from UWL that are going to be on the show, and uh, this is a show that I, I tested, um, I did an eight-city tour with, and it was a wild success, and now I'm launching a large scale, I think we have 40 cities booked right now, and we're adding more each week. I'm going to have the, the professors at UWL talking about um, stuff relating to New Year's resolutions, so the type of stuff like how habits are formed, what, like, uh, what are the wrong ways to go about setting uh, New Year's resolution goals and that sort of thing. And uh, so I have some material about that, and then I'll introduce a professor to give a 15-minute talk on that subject. And then usually there's a comic in between, but I'm having a magician who has, if anyone's come to my shows in the cross, there's always a magician hanging out afterwards doing close-up magic. That's a, a friend of a friend's. My favorite part of performing here is afterwards when I get to see him do magic tricks. And he said he's been working on some stage stuff. So I was like, well, next time I'm back, I'm going to have you do some magic. So, And so his name is? Joe, I forget. His James. La- Joe James. Yeah. I'm so bad at last name. Like I said, I've booked 40 cities, three guests yeah. per city. And there's no way I can remember any this, of their names. I should have I should have pulled that up before yeah, we hit yeah, yeah. record well, on here. Stand up science has really changed the profile of what your work life is is like. It's mostly administrative yeah. things now. <laughs> it's it, it, it used to be all just writing jokes, and then and then it moved from just writing jokes to doing a lot of research and writing jokes. And then it moved to booking a podcast, doing research, and writing jokes. And now it's booking guests, doing administrative things with uh, with the venue. And so, um, so much of my life as a comedian right now is not funny in any way. <laughs> like ninety percent of my my uh, the actual work that I do has nothing to do with actually being funny. It's mostly coordinating, making sure the venue has a projector. If they don't, making sure I can set one up, getting there early. Like that's most of what my life is now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's funny. Like when you when you dream of becoming a stand-up comedian, it's because you like see people on TV. I'm like, you know, I'd watch David Letterman growing up and see the stand-up do five minutes and. They come out from this magical backstage area and come out and do this, and you just think that's that must be what this life of a stand-up comic is like. And first off, let's say on the off chance you do get to do late night, which I have, I've been very fortunate. Um, but that's slim, slim to none chances that you're ever going to even get to that level. If you do get to that level, uh, behind that curtain is like. A bunch of boxes being stored and stuff like there's there's not like a huge party happening of like with like a pool and everyone in their swimsuits and bikinis and champagne and everything like that it, it's it's very the the reality of and, and that's and that's your best day as a comedian when you get to do something like that and that that's not to mention like the what it took to get there, which is performing in a bunch of like Elks lodges and and yeah. like open mic, uh, where 
where uh, you're in some crummy bar that decided to let someone run an open mic there because they know they can get like a bunch of comics there and comics have drinking problems so they'll spend (laughs) too much at these bars and there's not an actual audience there you're just performing to your peers who are also just thinking about what they're going to say when they're on stage so they're not paying any attention to you and and it's a absolutely brutal life and uh, and then it's once you catch the the breaks then you have to figure out how to create kind of your own niche. So that's what I've been fortunate to do. I, I say this all as like a warning to anyone that's like... It sounded like you're saying, kids, do don't it. try this at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I have... Now what I'm able to do with stand-up science is rather than like be beholden to like performing at a comedy club to a bunch of strangers that don't know what they're getting, now I'm marketing to a bunch of people where... People show up, they should know what they're getting with this show. Mm-hmm. And I can book the cities that I want to, when I want to be there, and the time of year that I want to be there, and I can control my own destiny. And it's taken 15 years for me to get here. And I love it. I love, I love everything that I've done to get here. I love what I get to do with my life. Um, but it, and it's, it's, in hindsight, very rewarding. But uh, but when I think about all uh, like the the childhood version of me, his idea of what this life would be like, and the reality of what I actually had to go through, uh, those are two very different things. Yeah. Can you talk just for a second about your podcast? Here we are. Here we are is my favorite thing that I never thought I'd love anything as much as I love stand up comedy. But I think I I love my podcast more then I actually like being a comedian hmm. now, maybe. Uh, it's pretty close. Being a comedian is pretty cool, too. It, it definitely has its moments. And podcasting has changed everything. I love podcasting. I love just having conversations and being, like, authentic. I think, uh, you know, standard uh, radio is kind of going away just because it is very inauthentic and um and this is really the the future is um people sharing their background having real conversations and you talk on that interesting idea and so yeah so uh and we get to be (laughs) long-winded so here we are is each week i am in my travels i find a scientist in the area to talk about their research a lot of a lot of life science stuff, so a lot of neuroscience, a lot of evolutionary uh, thinkers, um, a lot of behavioral science, psychologists, sociologists, behavioral economics, that sort of thing. A lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of stuff like, hey, we put, we put a stand with five jams in a grocery store and twenty different kinds of jams in a grocery store, and guess who? Uh, bought more jams. It's uh, spoiler alert. It's if you put twenty jams out there, people have analysis paralysis. They go, "This is too many jams to choose from," <laughs> and they walk away. They won't. They're not going to buy any jam from you. They get jammed up on jam decisions, and so you want a, a, a nice f- around four or five jams if you're if you're working in the grocery store and you're and you're figuring out that sample that's what you're going to want to go with. So, so this is news you can use. So this is news you can use absolutely that's mm-hmm. so for example I really like physics. Um, 
but I've never had a physicist on here because uh, because physics uh, physics doesn't necessarily like apply to the day to day at least in a at least in like a really tangible way that you can use that helps you understand your relationships more that maybe helps you um, uh, increase your productivity at work or put uh, or figure out ways of managing your finances better. Those are the sorts of things, the, the stuff that people can relate to is mostly what I do. Not all of this. Sometimes I have episodes on like zebra mussels or something like that. And they're really fascinating just for the, the sake of curiosity. And then sometimes there's episodes on just like a very specific thing about like this uh, protein for this myelin sheath on a neuron. If we can figure out how to do this, we can get rid of multiple sclerosis, stuff that's really, really deeply important to people's lives, but not necessarily the day-to-day, -day. but for the most part, it's uh, it's all meant to be kind of news you can use is the new phrase that I'm using from here on out that I'm stealing <laughs> from you to use on my, on my podcast. That's I did not I'm invent thinking. that, just to be clear. Uh, well, I'm stealing it from the, the uh, I think if it's a cliche. It's yeah. public domain. Public, you're yeah, fine. Public domain, yeah. So you talked about, um, you know, how as a comedian, you know, the the laugh is something that is is you know the most exciting and validating for you. But now there's a different sound that that you really hope for from an audience. Well, there's so much that goes into creating a laugh, and I now I try to. I mean, I think keeping people off balance is one of the most important things. So when mm -hmm. I started out. I was a really short joke. I was really good for late night early on. I haven't done late night in years because my act doesn't really fit. And I, my, my, I tell like 10 minute long stories and stuff like that that don't really make sense in the format. But when I started out, you're just getting short spots like that in a comedy club. And that's like, uh, so you need to, you need to grab people's attention really, really quickly because they're not paying much attention. And you need to sustain that. And so it's all a lot of like really quick, short attention span kind of things. And I was good at that. And I was kind of an absurdist comedian, maybe, I would mm -hmm. say. Uh, and then once I became a headliner, that tempo just wears on people after a while. You, 20 minutes is fine. Around 30 minutes, people are just they're so used to it that they can kind of predict where you're going and it kind of, so I started putting stories into my act and mixing it up and you know, sometimes doing characters. And, uh, one, uh, and I also try to get outside of my comfort zone as much as possible. So like singing scares the crap out of me, so I'll put singing in my act just because <laughs> it forces me to do it. So now, a lot of times, some of my jokes, I intentionally try to go for as long as I possibly can without getting a laugh. Because if you can do that, it's like tantric uh, <laughs> uh, comedy. If you can, <laughs> if you can do that, the laugh that you do get is so much bigger, and it's such a release of tension because people are like, "Oh my God, is there a punchline actually coming? What's going on here?" And and so uh, that's not necessarily what I do with every joke, but those are some of my yeah. when I'm having the most fun. That's what I'm doing when when I'm seeing people getting nervous. Um, but uh, at the stand-up science shows, you're you're kind of going for a, huh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the that's the best thing that I can possibly. That's 
because I I was just watching some stand up uh, yesterday uh, or two days ago. I was watching Pete Holmes' new special on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friend of mine, hilarious guy, and I'm watching a special and and I think today about the things that I remember, and it was the points that he made. It wasn't most of his funniest. I would say like the the biggest laughs or the the stuff was like kind of silly nonsense and weird and like short and like got a and and I don't remember any of those things mm-hmm. and I, I remember some of the bigger concepts that he dove into a little bit and I think that's what ends up sticking with people and so yeah so when you can have people go like huh that that is my new kind of like gold standard with yeah. this show is that people go huh that means that they just it shift they just had this paradigm shift this kind of gestalt shift and they now see an aspect of life in a completely different way. And if you can get some of those, my hypothesis is, is that you can build an audience in a hurry that will keep on coming back because they'll actually remember yeah. it. And you can have different guests. You know, you can come back to a city three times a year and yeah. have different guests. Yeah, each so time rather than having show. to write a new hour or two yeah. hours of yeah. material each time, <laughs> I, I can uh, just book different guests each time and have them do the work of changing up the material. So um, yeah. so I'm, I'm very excited about this show for a lot of reasons, that being one of them. Well, and, and maybe one of the most talked about, you know, stand-up acts from this past year, and you'll fill in the blank for me, but the woman from Australia, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was very different and and was not a laugh a minute. Yeah. And and really, I think the people who saw it really thought about comedy in a different way. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I, she's from Australia, and I started going in this direction after performing in Australia in, um, I guess it would have been, probably 09, um, the most of my first time there, and I saw that the, there's a lot of, you do these big festivals there where you're there for a month kind of doing, it's almost like an off-Broadway thing, but like everyone's doing it. Um, and I thought, well, what would my kind of, and that's what Mating Season on Netflix, which actually is my least favorite thing that I've ever done, <laughs> um, it's fine enough, but, but it was like my transition into trying to do a themed thing. My last album, My Big Break, and uh, my last tour, Good Trip, where I finally figured out how to like really make that work well. I, I've been trying to go that direction for a while it, because I knew that the U.S. was going to, ca- it was going to catch on in the U.S. Uh, a, a while ago. No one in the industry believed me, and I've been trying to tell them this for like a while, and then Nanette became the biggest special uh ever but there's you know there's people in the u.s doing that sort of stuff too it's just uh the industry is just starting to catch on to it but i think that's i think that there's uh i think 2019 and definitely by 2020 you're going to see tons and tons of that kind of stuff colin quinn Mm -hmm. um does a, a fair amount of it i actually haven't watched any of his last th- I I don't watch stand-up anymore <laughs> I, I, you're too I, busy I, booking places <laughs> I watched so much stand-up between probably I, I would say 1995 uh, until about 2009 
I watched more stand-up than probably any human being on <laughs> Earth. And then just something happened one day where I just couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> I just, I, I had seen every special that there ever was many, many times. Mm-hmm. And I did my homework. I've been starting to get back into it recently. And anyway, I'll... All of this is to say, I think that this is the, if I were to make a prediction, and I hope I'm right because I've bet my career on this and I started <laughs> doing this years ago, is that there's going to be this push to do, be doing long form, much more meaningful, much more substance-based. I mean, George Carlin, there's, this is like, no, no, I don't think it's much of a secret why he is perhaps the most well-known comedian of all time and it's because he was doing he was putting substance yeah. in his act and yeah. still being able to be funny at the same time and he evolved i mean you look at his he early evolved stuff a lot. He, yeah, yeah many times man well and then he went know, back and forth stuff. and then he did yeah. substance and then he did goofy yeah. and then he did substance and goofy again and so i i feel like i might sometimes i'm like maybe i should just write silly jokes again and have but it but uh, that's what, what's nice about being a stand-up is I could potentially, um, you know, in a given night do two or three different shows or in a given week and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to fill whatever niche. So You were talking uh, with me earlier about how this show is kind of how you wish school had been. Well, I think that, uh, I think that the human attention span doesn't last well for more than 30 minutes. I think that's like pretty well studied. That's, uh, there's this Pomodoro technique and these kind of uh, productivity apps and stuff that come out now that are that are just for this. You work for 20 to 30 minutes, then you take a five to 10 minute break and this engages the non-conscious mind and blah, 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 and increases memory, creativity. And then you go back to your productivity for 20 to 30 minutes and, and you keep oscillating like that. And schools certainly didn't know that when I was growing up. Uh, <laughs> I think the classes were 45 minutes. So I think five-minute break in the middle of that to, to stand up and stretch and move around a little bit. Uh, I mean, I imagine it would be a chore getting kids back in the seats after that. But, uh, but it's, Or maybe it, the teacher could tell some jokes. Maybe the teacher <laughs> could tell some jokes. Something like that. It needs to needs to happen for otherwise it's just too much for uh, mm-hmm. the mind to pay attention to so so yeah I I think that uh, I, I take online courses all the time and I, there's like really funny professors out there and and those are the ones that I pay the most attention to and so what's nice about this show is it's just 15 to 20 minute chunks and then it's and it's shifting gears and going back and forth and so I think that uh, I think it's going to it, as someone who I've done two-hour shows before, um, it doesn't matter it, how uh, how much you're loving the show. Um, two hours is a long time to listen to a human being. So I used to do intermissions and stuff like that. But even that, mm-hmm. even that, even an hour is quite a while to listen to someone someone straight. So uh, I've eliminated that problem with this show. I could listen to you all day. So. <laughs> well, and, and just to remind folks, it's January 3rd, yeah. Cavalier. You and uh, the magician... Uh, uh, Joseph James. Joseph, Joseph James, James, of course. The uh, Joseph James, and then we have uh, it, a couple UWL scientists. Yeah. yeah. Let's name them. Ah, uh, crap. I got it. You got Ryan it? Ryan McKelly. Okay. 
and Keely Reese. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's who will be that's there. That's my sign. <laughs> yeah, I should. I I'm gonna afterwards. I'm going to show you the number of emails that I have with yeah. my guest bookings right now. Uh, I get I'm like sure fifty emails a day from. <laughs> From different academics, so you need a staff. I I'm working on uh, putting a staff together. Yeah, mm-hmm. but within within the next three months, I have an assistant right now, and I have a PR person, I have a manager. But within the next three months, all the administrative stuff is going to be out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank you for making time in your obviously busy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you guys for making that. You've always been so nice to me, so I appreciate it. And we have, again, Shane Moss reporter extraordinaire, Randy Erickson. <laughs> and, and you make sure he get, you give him all the news, that, uh, the breaking Shane Moss news oh, first. Oh, yeah. Scoops. I love scoops. Lots of scoops. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. We want also remind uh, Tribune readers to turn to the Trib on January 1st when we reveal the 2018 Tribune Person of the Year. But I'm going to ask Elizabeth to give us a clue for everyone listening to who that person is. I don't know. You don't know? No, I don't know. Well, that means we've done our job. It has been. A, we try to keep that a secret every year. We, the winner, whoever he or she may be, does know. But uh, the secret will be revealed in print and online January 1st. I can tell you this, this person is well-deserving. With that, we thank you for joining us. Um, We'll be back in the new year for another edition of TribCast. Mm